Welcome to the Spoiler Alert podcast, and today is Independence Day. It's the 4th of July. Happy America Day, America. A very fitting 4th of July film would be Born on the 4th of July, which is Oliver Stone's 1989 film starring Tom Cruise. To me, it's always been Tom Cruise's second best performance, just to Magnolia. Oh, yeah, that's... Yeah. This is, this is definitely the biggest performance that I think is great by him, for me. Yeah. Uh, but I would say that he's a little better in Magnolia, but that's a supporting role, so... Right, no, he's, he's amazing in that. I mean, he's he's just a great actor, but I mean, he might be a bit, you know, whatever. But, well, if yeah, I mean, it's Hollywood, so there'd be no movies left uh, to watch if, if, you know, if you dismiss an actor just because they're a little crazy. But, uh, yeah, you know. I mean, they're all crazy, like, <laughs> for sure, man. Um, but... Uh, just some backstory on Born on the Fourth of July is that it is a biopic about this real life soldier named Ron Kovic, who was injured in in the Vietnam War, came home, didn't feel like the war was worth it after a certain amount of time, didn't feel uh, like vet- veterans were getting the correct support from the government from you know just kind of like the environment back home Re- watching some special features some of the more interesting things that i read or listened to about it was that oliver stone and he and ron kovic had tried to make the movie back in 1978 and this was before oliver stone really became a, much of a director he was still kind of writing scripts Writers, like yeah. Like he wrote Midnight Express around this time. Um, But the financing dropped out, like, I believe just a couple days before shooting. So they couldn't make the, they couldn't make Born on the 4th of July back in 78. So what Oliver Stone said, uh, and this is what Ron Kovic said. So it's, you know, I, I think it's probably true is Oliver Stone made a promise to Ron Kovic that if I make it through as a director and I can direct, you know, things that I want to make, I'll come back for you and we'll make it and we'll do it right. So uh, he kept that promise. And, and, you know, this this movie is coming right off of Oliver Stone's huge success in Platoon that uh, was, you know, very popular among you know, critical audiences and everyday audiences as well. Yeah. Um, and that's one of my favorite movies. What What it's do you think about Platoon real quick? Oh, I, well, just the same. I mean, it's, I, well, I don't, yeah, I don't know how to quickly summarize. I mean, it's, I just think one of absolutely the greatest movies ever made and definitely one of my absolute favorites, so. I mean, Platoon might be the most realistic Vietnam War movie, possibly. Yeah, it feels like it. Where at, like, but at the same time, like, Apocalypse Now still might be the most art, like, artistic and, like, yeah. kind of, like, digs down into, like, more, like, the meaning of things rather than the what's happening. Yeah, but, I mean, it's, it's kind of like Sophie's Choice, but I would probably have to say Apocalypse Now is my preferred, but just, that's, again. It, barely. Yeah, you know, so... I mean, in a way, I guess this feels like the most realistic Vietnam film, even though we're not in Vietnam very long. It just, but uh, when you are there, you're just like, I, I remember thinking, you know, like, I want to get the hell out of here, you know, because it's mm-hmm. so bloody depressing. And then you, and then you end up in the hospital and that's no relief at all. And you're like, I want to get the hell out of here. And then he ends, you know, ends up at home. And, yeah. and after a while, you're like, well, fuck this sucks too and like there's just nowhere for and then go. he goes to mexico and right. that that has a shelf life too yeah uh, so the whole time you just want to get out of there and then you know i think he has that realization towards the very end where it's like where the hell am i gonna go what am i gonna do you know the, the film actually begins like with like kind of just like 1950s americana in a sizzle reel like yeah. it's uh, kids playing war in the forest. There's a parade. Um, actually, one of the wounded soldiers in the parade is mm-hmm. a cameo of Ron Kovic. Oh, 
uh the real yeah. life the real life dude was uh in that parade as a cameo as like one of the older like world war ii soldiers or not the one who's having the flashes or whatever when the uh that... same one same oh, one okay all right yep that's like a nice little wink back to him uh yeah. that's a that's a that's also like a cameo that doesn't really like show itself off or anything you know what i mean no i mean it's critical uh, to the the story i mean because the, there's the whole full circle thing but uh yeah i mm -hmm. never knew it was him i mean so it worked it wasn't just a pointless cameo you know like yeah you know, I, I like that's actually integrated then you know yeah and then there's fireworks because it's you know the fourth of july and his birthday is on the fourth of july and that's where he uh gets his first kiss and they play some baseball like it is truly just fifties Americana in, in like a espresso shot. <laughs> like, and that's the thing I was watching it. I was like, you know, it, it could like almost not work, you know, like it could be over the top, but it, it does, it just, it does work. You do get swept up in it. I mean, it's, you know, um, and uh, you know, cause I think a lot of directors are almost sort of dismissive of that and so it, it kind of doesn't work you know when you're like oh this is all bullshit from the start it's like well no i mean it really does treat it like this is his life and then when he i'm getting ahead a bit but when he does come back nothing's really changed it's changed for him but everybody's still living in that little like wonderland you know and it's that, that like truman show world like yeah right you know and then it's he brings the reality back with them eventually and you know i mean it's but it could have been mishandled but i think it works you know i think two of the things that make that scene work so this sequence work so well is like the music which is john williams john williams is known for like mainly spielberg and star wars movies but he has been with uh oliver stone on a, a number of films he was he i know for for a fact he did born on the fourth of july and he did um jfk and both of those uh mm. scores are amazing because i mean he just shits out beauty well, yes, like, anything he bloody does. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't uh, matter like it's all gonna be original my favorite cinematographer like director of photography in like the modern you know post 1950s era robert richardson uh, I really who, was impressed with the work here, but I didn't know who did it. I mean, uh, uh, well, okay. So Robert Richardson, he's done like every Tarantino movie since Kill oh. Bill. Okay. Um, he's done, er, he's done like every Scorsese movie since uh, Aviator, the wow. Aviator. And then he's done all three of the major oliver stone films so platoon, platoon born jfk the dude is just all over the place and he like he's for me like one of the best portrayers of like like just vibrant colors and he works with saturation well and uh in, but in this movie there's a lot of desaturation there's a lot of like kind of especially in this opening sequence there's like kind of a chrome to it to, to the to the look you know what i mean where everyone kind of seems like they're like shown through like a silver lens or something like that okay. where it's not it's not quite black and white but it's not full color either oh i get what you see. yeah i mean just the camera work and movement you know uh in the the movie so um that always stuck out to me so yeah, so you're saying this dude's just great. I mean, he's he had his yeah. hand. And I don't know, he's just in on a lot of stuff. I think he did Salvador with uh with Oliver Stone as well. It just it just gives it like this chromey 1950s, 1960s kind of uh Norman Rockwell kind of feeling to it. I just love when like they're able to capture when people are able to kind of capture that kind of chrome look. In this montage, they're the family's sitting around the TV watching Kennedy getting sworn in and uh, his mother turns to him and says, I was having a dream that uh, last night that you're in front of a crowd, just like Mr. Kennedy, and you were saying great things. Yep. And that comes into play later, kind of puts a great bow on the film. You know, it doesn't really seem that artificial because, I mean, for one thing, a mother always thinks that their kid is, you know, really mm -hmm. special and everything. And, you know, if she's watching these speeches on TV, you could see where that would connect up and she'd have a dream like that. So it doesn't seem like a lie, you know? Um, yeah. 
you know, like one of those premonitions, because a lot of movies will do that where it's like, you know, they set that up and it's really, um, I don't know uh, how to put awkward or unbelievable, you know, that like the premonition thing, but that just felt like something a mother might actually say or whatever. It just didn't feel unbelievable to me, you know? Um, right. So. And, and just going in as well, uh, Oliver Stone is very well known for his like political beliefs and how like they, he like inserts his political beliefs into his movies to at least varying degrees in, mm -hmm. in each one. This one, I think even if you would disagree with Oliver Stone politically is probably the more accessible one for both sides because if you're like pro-Vietnam War, if you're anti-Vietnam War, most people aren't like, fuck the soldiers, right? Like, yeah, it's, it, like, it does take a really complicated perspective. I mean, because, it, it, yeah, it's, well, I guess that's really what the whole movie kind of boils down to, because it is really complicated. I mean, he starts off on one side, ends up on the, you know, the, the other. I mean, and, it's very confrontational, but not like in, it's also, I guess it's honest. So it, it feels honest anyway. So I think that's what saves it from being, well, it, like I said, it's confrontational, but not like offensively. So not, you know. I think what you said about honesty is like important because um, because it is a biopic, right? Right. And uh, Ron Kovic was like co-writ the thing, was on Oliver Stone's side the whole way. So if there's any politics in this movie that may bother you just know like that that is the politics of this specific character in real life right well, so mean, like it's pretty, not just oliver stone running and running an agenda well, it's it's right it's all coming out of that character who yeah i mean so i, I that's the other thing that i mean yeah i, I guess falls under the honesty there like that's who he was you know and so it doesn't um and obviously well yeah like he's, I, he co-wrote it so yeah i mean um, I don't think it's trying to artificially put him in any camps, you know, like they do that sometimes with biopics and build a story around a guy like this is the guy, you know, so mm -hmm. I mean, he's on a side because like he feels strong about it. Or you know what I mean? It's not because it's not like, oh, we're draping a side over him. Right. And skewing, skewing his beliefs. You know what I mean? Right. You get why he believes, I mean, what kind of person he is and why he believes what he does, you know, at the start of the film. And then, but I thought that was kind of an interesting thing that the character could go for, like, be the same person yet completely opposite, you know, once that transformation happens. You know, he's still. And uh, in the interview I saw with Ron Kovic and Bryant Gumble, Kovic said that, you know, because Tom Cruise, I don't know what his polit politics are now, but at the time was definitely more right wing than Kovic or Oliver Stone but Tom Cruise wanted to do it because it's a good story about you know a soldier and he doesn't exactly be believe in everything that Tom Cruise would believe in but he respects it but Tom Cruise said that they're actually like somewhat alike because Tom Cruise is explains about how he's so obsessive over movies where like if he's in a Mission Impossible movie he's gonna fucking go no stunt, like no uh, stunt men, just crazy like yeah, with it right, and yeah. just obsessive with it. Yeah, and he fucking awesome stunts, I've got to say. I mean, so. <laughs> yeah, and he explained how Kovic is also like one of those 100% or nothing guys where when he was on, you know, the traditional kind of small town nuclear family right wing side, he was aggressively that, like you said, he was uh, love it or leave it. And when he had like reality hit him in the fucking base, yeah. uh, he became he very, very much on the left side yeah, and, was, and was like, we should never gone into Vietnam and all that. You know what I mean? So he's, mm -hmm. he's a 100% or zero guy. Um, and that fit well with Tom Cruise's personality. Well, yes, I, but it's, I think he becomes that by the end of the film, but there's a lot, you know, as would probably very much be the case. I mean, when you become completely disillusioned, you know, well, he's completely lost for a very good chunk of that film. And, you know, by the end, he finds something to fight for and whatever again, you know, and that's what he needed. Because, I mean, without that, yeah, it just, uh, 
I mean, because you get it. I mean, he's, he's stuck in that situation. I mean, there's no, and now he doesn't even have any, you know, pretty lies he can tell himself about it, you know, because he's been stripped of all that. And it's like, I, I mean, I w that's the only thing I guess I wish we'd seen a little more at the very end of him actually um, kind of coming full circle because it, it kind of ends right before he goes out to speak. Like, we're told he's going to say great things, but we don't ever actually get to hear a, a lot of those. You that's know? true. Um, I think that might be... I'm sure it was deliberate. I just don't know if it was the right decision, though, you know? That that um, may have been the point where he got into, like, most people's consciousness, maybe. Like, that. maybe that was, like, widely televised, and that's why people know it, and then we don't know it because we didn't watch it live on television. Right, so it's showing time. everything before that moment that people might not know, you know, I guess. Possibly. But, yeah, I see what you mean, where, like, we could have... Not sure how climactic of a nature that speech would have been, but they could have maybe right. found some way to do it. But it does feel like that's the arc. And so maybe a little more time in some way or shape should have been, because really it's just him speaking to that reporter and then he's going up to make a speech and then it just kind of ends. And I feel like after spending so much time just go, watching this dude go through absolute hell, I think maybe a little bit more of a, mm. a payoff there, you know, would have helped. Um, but it's a nitpick. It's, I'm, I'm not saying it doesn't, it's broken or anything. It just would, I would have been nice if there's a little more time there, but again, I can't myself think of what that would look like. So I don't know. <laughs> right. Uh, and then, uh, so he's in wrestling. He, uh, that's like another one of the things he does once he's like in high school, he's, he's worried about losing a match and his mother, uh, this is when we get some of like his religious mother stuff where. Uh, she says, just do your beds. That's what matters to God. Um, and she really becomes like the religious figure that like kind of pounds that into him. Uh, and that backfires big time later on in the movie. Yeah. And uh, then there's some uh, Marine recruiters in their high school, uh, like led by the, uh, the actor Tom Berenger, who was in Platoon and was great in Platoon. Uh, this is just a short scene, but uh, Willem Dafoe is also in this movie later on. Mm -hmm. So it's nice. It's kind of like a cool Oliver Stone sort of reunion thing. Yeah. Um, I'm playing a very different role. Here he's pretty fucking uncool and unchill. You know, so. <laughs> um. Ron in like a McDonald's or, where, or in a local like sh shake shop or wherever they are, uh, tells his friends which includes Stephen Baldwin, by the way, uh, tells his friends that uh, he's enlisting in the war. And he's and at the time he's doing this, it's actually like very early on, probably like 65 or 64. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's very early on in the war. And they're like, hey, like, just, yeah, you know, there's probably like, like, why are you enlisting? Like, it's, you know, we're like, most of us are just hoping we're not going to get drafted. Like, you know like what's the like what's the deal and he's like don't you want to fight for your country don't don't you want to stop communism and mm -hmm. all these you know traditional american kind of propaganda like thumping at the at the time you um, could see why at the same time he would believe that at that time you know because we hadn't had not yet you know we had world war ii and and you know the 50s are well i mean we're coming out of a depression so i mean but we won a war and now we're reinvigorated as a nation and you know and all that shit so i mean mm -hmm. Um, there'd be no reason really for him to think anything else, you know, I mean, um, but other than that, yeah, this is the right thing. It's a continuation on the success of, you know, I mean, you know, that, that America saw in the last war probably. And off of what you said, one of the things that Ron says is like, don't you want to be a part of something great? Don't you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself? Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I think that's his main motive is he wants to be a part of something bigger than himself. And that thing changes throughout the movie slowly from one thing to another. He, at, he asks out Donna, his like childhood crush to prom, but she's going with someone else. Instead of going to prom, he comes home, speaks with his father who's watching TV and his father's getting nervous about it. And then his father mentions in in the line like the attitude of the homeland is going to be important so that comes into contact that comes into play later 
And then Ronnie is like, this is like the day before he ships out. So, or like maybe like the week, uh, but he's praying in his bedroom uh, for God to give him strength and reason and everything. And then he runs through the rain to dance with and kiss Donna before he has to ship out forever. And that's about like the last pure scene we get. And then yeah. there's an amazing mm-hmm. cut right to right to the war. Um, I, 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 that's like one of the most notable like things that sticks out of my head in this movie is like that cut. Yeah. Uh... I, well, and, and the movie feels pretty segmented too. Like it jumps, it, like like it's very clearly structured. So once you're out of Vietnam, you're very immediately in the hospital. And once you're out of a hospital, you're very immediately back home, and then in Mexico. Like it, it doesn't. Uh, yeah, it it just structured very deliberately that way. So, but I suppose that makes sense because each of these are like chapters out of this guy's life. You know, I mean, so. Um, yeah, I, but yeah, a lot of kind of hard cuts and a lot of really stark contrast there, obviously, uh, you know, but, um, but yeah. uh, which is a great technique, obviously. I mean, just to set it, I, I know a lot of other war movies do exactly that. And those, you know, the peace and quaintness of, of home life versus the hellish realities of war. But here it's done really effectively, um, you know, and then I think the other thing that's unusual is that we, well, we return home within, you know, the same movie you know and and nothing's actually changed but you know everything's changed for this guy um so uh, it's more unsettling that things are still all you know whatever uh sunny skies and everything for all these people you know yeah it's like it's like how long has this illusion been going on kind of thing you know but the scene that they cut to is them on a beach in 1967 in Vietnam. And at this point, he's talking to this new recruit. Uh, Tom, uh, uh, Ron Kovic explains that it's his second tour already. This recruit named Wilson. He's like, where are you from, Wilson? He's like, I'm from Georgia. And he's like, I've never seen a Georgia kid get get hurt in uh, my time here. Uh, just to calm his nerves, basically. His uh, cruise's commander ask asks him if he sees rifles like perched out in the village and, and the and, way that shot is really well done because you as the audience are like really trying to make it out like if you see any and like like i don't think but he's like yeah yeah totally because it's clear that that's the answer his commander wants you know you see them too right you know and you know don't you see them you know he's like oh, oh yeah you know so yeah that's that is- kind of you as the audience are like oh, maybe okay i guess you know so um because they're just they're silhouettes off in the distance and the camera's shaking and it's you know it's hard to really tell so you don't know if it's like they've got like a i don't know some kind of farming tool or what that they're running around with you can't really tell like we were saying the the camera is like in a pov and it's bobbing and there's confusion you can't tell where anything is and that's yeah, they're really like silhouettes, so you don't know if what they're carrying is a rifle or just a fucking goddamn rake, you know? Yeah, or like yeah. a fucking broom. Yeah. So he's like, all right, do you see the rifles? And without having seen them, uh, Kovic says, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he gives, uh, and he starts like mar- barking off orders to people, but he doesn't say like fire yet or anything. He's just like, this is where we're focusing, blah, 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 blah. Like, like eyes over here, eyes over here, eyes over here. And then they start shooting, <laughs> and then, yeah. and then he's like, "Fuck, stop! Like, just right. stop!" Yeah, no, I mean the gradual escalation of that. Yeah, because I mean, as the audience, I mean, it was kind of weird. You feel inclined to nod your head, like, you know, because the, the sergeant or whoever he is who's in command below, above Kovic, mm-hmm. you know, is like, "Do you see that?" And he's like really pressuring him. He's like. Do you see it? You know, and you're like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it feels right. so much like when you have a job and you don't know, like, and you actually like miss what's being instructed, and you're like, right. yeah, I saw, yeah, 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 right. <laughs> but then, and then you yeah, fuck and, up, like, for, and you think like, that's harmless enough, but then everybody starts firing on the village because of your agreement, you know, and like that's yeah, you'd feel a lot of responsibility there, you know. And, I mean. But at the time, you wouldn't take anything of it. 
You know, right. it's like, like you said, it's like a fucking McDonald's job. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. I totally know how to fry these patties. Oh yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> yeah. And then, and then they go to like check out the area and they realize like they only killed civilians, like pretty much like they open up this hut. It's just carnage. There's women and children shot dead face, like babies left like motherless, like just carnage. And uh, Cruz's character, Kovic is the only one try like, that's like kind of got his, like i can't even say he's got his shit together but he's like doing something he's trying to patch up a kid uh and he's asking for help and it's like, like it's, isn't it like a little girl with her leg blown off i think so or like or like someone with like a big like gash in their stomach that's right yeah that, that's a um yeah the little yeah the little kid with like you know the his back blown out. You know, like I mean, you can, I think you can like see his spine. And like, that's the thing in all these goddamn fucking movies, they never dare show. And that's why I love this one. I have all the Vietnam or all the war movies. That like it's that that's what stands out in my mind. Like that's the thing I watched as a kid and never left. Was like I I know it's fake, but like it didn't feel. You know, when I watched it as a kid. Like it didn't feel like. I mean, that's the stuff they never show. Even even how gruesome and stunning, like uh, like Saving Private Ryan is, is like it doesn't. Yeah, it's not the like, next thing because there, de- I mean, there's that little girl with her fucking leg off. You know, there's a little boy with his back blown out. I mean, that they never show that. It just show, and that it goes to show you how like women and children are not exempt from being victims in war, and it's just you know like 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 it's important like that like i feel like someone explains that or shows that in some way i do just want to point out that like in born on the fourth of july the violence on these children women is yeah there's done... really nothing else beyond that point in the movie it's just that right it's, it, yeah. it, it is done with a level of like taste and kind of i suppose like dignity like Maybe not dignity is maybe dignity is not the right word. But I like, think that I think the dignity comes from like the fact that it doesn't show any violence before that or after that. It really shows only that moment, and uh, it's so horrifying and so. They're not getting I, their yeah, jollies I mean, off by like hurt by like showing like kids in pain. They're doing it because, like it's. It's yeah, true. yeah, no, it's yeah, true. it's not exploitative. It's not like, yeah, it's I guess I get what you're saying. It's not like lingering on that moment, like, ooh, you know, like it, it just feels naturalistic. It's, I mean, there's, I feel like each war movie, I really try to look like at like what they try to contribute to the genre, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, I mean, you know, like Jarhead is the idleness of war. You know, really, it's like the whole act of doing nothing, being trained to do something where you do nothing and being trained to kill where you don't kill anybody. You know, how it drives you fucking crazy. Like, I, I really love Jarhead for that reason. Um, the full Metal Jacket. God, that first half of that fucking movie is a movie on its own. It's just fucking pitch perfect. So they eventually are, like, going to get ambushed now. So their sergeant... It's like, you guys got to get the fuck out of here. Go, go, go. So they're running through the dunes and uh, Kovic has to stop and shoot and shoot and shoot. And then he looks over the dune and it's a silhouette and he, sh- and he fires and it's obviously a U.S. soldier. And well, it, well, 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 obvious isn't the right word. I mean, oh, uh, you right. as the audience recognize that, oh, fuck. But we right? recognize because it's in slow motion. But because he's so silhouetted against the sunset, I, it's because of the emphasis put on that moment that you recognize he fucked up. But if there weren't for that dramatic emphasis, you you might not. You, know? you might make the same mistake he made in, right. if you were in those shoes as well. Yeah, it's yeah. because it's slowed down. It's uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then so. uh, another POV shot, like crawls up right on it, and it's Wilson. It's the guy that he had just told. Like, hey, calm down, kid. You'll be fine. Uh, and he's shot right, right in the neck, and he's like, he's done for. He dies pretty much right away. And then that night, Ron actually tries to confess to his sart to a 
like uh, an even higher up. Um, but that guy, this is like a really interesting part in the movie because like that guy is like, don't, don't, don't tell me that shit. Like I need every man I can have. We don't need someone fucking court-martialed that has like experience like you do. Like it's his second tour. So he's a pretty well-experienced soldier at this point. He's like, we don't need that shit. Don't give me that shit. Like we need you out in the field. And so like, he just completely like smothers the the entire thing. Yeah. And that. I'll take your fucking head off. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I'll take your head off. And to the audience, we're kind of like, oh, we're kind of glad he gets away with it. But we're also like, but like the guilt that it gives him throughout the movie and the years after is almost worse than what ends up happening to him. Basically, the the officer rejects Kovic's confession. And um, then we cut to a number of maybe a few weeks, a few months later, uh, still in Vietnam. And he's like in this paddy field, I believe, of some type. His platoon gets fired on and just decimated. He gets shot in the ankle. His heel leg is blown the fuck off. And he doesn't stay down. He gets he gets up and is just like like trying to be fucking like trying to be a fucking hero and like like he explains it later in the movie like trying to be like John Wayne. But that's what stood out to me as a kid was you know those those zoom ins. You fuck it's Jeff you fucking motherfucker. Like I mean it, it felt like a big moment, but then everything after that moment uh, it's just. It's, it is not it's worth just so it. defeating it's just so, yeah right it's like 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 you said i think you just said like not worth it like he he you could be like as much of a badass as you want but a Yo, grunt I, soldier on the other side could still ruin your life like you could be fucking rambo and then a fucking you know in real life not movie world uh like a grunt could just like cap you if like what <laughs> it's just not worth it and then they go to the medical tent and that's fucking chaos the doctor is overwhelmed and what the a priest gives him his last rites and they cut away from that i believe directly to him in a oh. rehab facility in the bronx yeah i mean uh th- that was the other thing like i mean when uh you see him shot through you don't immediately see it but uh, a few scenes later, I mean, you see this gaping flesh wound, and that's how it would be. I mean, because yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good that's a good thing to bring up. He was shot like around here. Yeah, but see, it would exit be like his wound. right side. But yeah. the exit wound blew the fuck out of his back, so he right. is paralyzed. And, and the movie doesn't down. draw any attention to that. It's just completely naturalistic. Like it's a split second scene where you see like, holy shit. You see this big fucking flesh wound, you know, on the back, but it doesn't draw any attention to that. It's not like focusing in on it. You just see it and for like a split second. You're like, fuck, he's dead, you know, but he's not, mm. you know. And, and, and um, I'm not sure like the science of like the through and throughs might be different. The thing I know about is blast uh, trauma, you know, mm. and like so people are crushed trauma. You know, where people uh, that should make it otherwise because of the blast, the shock waves, you know, it ruptures organs and whatever, and they die. So he does end up surviving and it go, they go to, they, we cut directly to a Bronx veteran hospital. And we have like this like weird sort of like walk in, like we're following the nurses around and they're putting in IVs, they're taking temperatures. There's rats all over the all over the ground, and one of the patients is like, is like, I've been feeding them, and and then the nurse is like, Yeah, well, you better keep feeding them, and then they won't bother you. <laughs> uh, we'll have nothing to worry about. Right, um, yeah. It was really shit. So like I, everything I understand from that movie was not exaggeration. So yeah, so veteran hospitals have okay. like have historically been like yeah. sketchy um, um and he's still strapped into like this like 
his hometown mindset of like love it or leave it because he's watching the news and the civil rights movement is going on and he's like uh love it or leave it they're burning the flag yada 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 that kind of stuff uh one of his uh caretakers is black and is explaining to him like hey just because you fought for your country and you're proud of your country doesn't mean like it's good for all of us like some of us are fighting our own war here while y'all are fighting someone else's war overseas which like you know is a reoccurring thing where like you know there's big criticism of america where we can you know maybe we should try to solve more of our own problems before we solve the world's problems and we always seem to want to solve the world's problems more even though you know for more or less nefarious reasons you know what i mean mm-hmm. um uh so that's like a big thing that's like like a seed being planted into his head and he's starting to kind of walk on like his like crutches he's do- he's doing really well doing a lot of pull-ups like really ambitious about it and then he fucking cracks his femur <laughs> just just and and so that pretty much puts it puts the kibosh on like any of him borderline walking even which yeah it becomes a totally different thing after that like he's just all about saving at least that leg even if he can't walk also okay so and then we we learned that like he has some kind of pump through that leg to take out the bad blood i believe um yeah 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 uh, i'm not i've never been 100 percent sure how that pump works but it looks like a fucking coffee maker and when blood drips into it i think that means it's broken you can tell the fear and tension he feels through the night you know he starts screaming obviously but you know i mean that like this thing is broken down again it seems you know and he's just i mean yeah i think minute by minute hour by hour you know the tension he feels you know that like he'll lose the leg yeah because he's he spent an extra four months in that shithole to save his leg because he could have just cut it off and been out in a week which you know just shows like in a way his like like stubbornness but like his also drive and then after he screams uh cuts back to uh his hometown they're pulling in with the car all the neighbors are there we see that he was managed to save his leg and he's seeing his family again. And one of it, uh, one of his brothers is kind of, kind of gives him this awkward look where like, he's kind of like looking him up and down, like, Oh man, like what the fuck happened to you? And we later see that like that brother is like anti-war. Uh, so many of like his old friends are like anti-war too, but like, he does not want to hear it from anyone that did not experience it. The only thing I can really think of that I don't think would be too controversial to say mm-hmm. is that anybody f- who fights a war, they fight it um, to preserve their own little slice of the world, you know, their own little slice of Americana, whatever, you know. They fight it to preserve their world. That's what he's fighting for. And, and so, and then when he talks to his friend who came back from the war, like the only other motherfucker who survived it, they're talking about how like nobody else, nobody else fucking made it, right? You know, I mean, nobody, mm-hmm. you know, and- um, One guy got fucking killed by a tree. No, by a tree. fucking tree. You know, yeah, yeah, you got killed by a fucking tree branch from the exploding shrapnel and yeah, yeah, right. And- um. Yo, so this slice of the world that he was fighting for got destroyed. I mean, there's nobody left. And then that little slice has no place for him in the grand scheme of things. Like, like it can't fit him into it, you know, because there's no room for the 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 horror that he's experienced. So he's rejected by it. So it's kind of a rejection of everything he fought for. Um I think that's what the whole movie centers upon. I don't know how to put it, but like, obviously throughout the whole film, there's this uh, kind of idea, don't ask what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. I think it was kind of backwards. It's like, I mean, the government, the only, I mean, it serves you. That's the point. It's supposed to be 
uh, utilitarian or whatever you want to put. I mean, like it has preserved that little world for everybody else who wasn't there. But I mean, obviously the idea is that the, the cost was too high. All his high school friends, everybody who ever went there other than him and this one other fucking guy are dead. And he's lost his own innocence too. So even if his friends did come back, like he would not be the same person. Right. And also his college buddy, the, the buddy that went off to college is starting like a, a burger chain that's like, you know, like he's like, oh, it's a franchise. We have this and there and this and there. And it's all just kind of like become like commercialized. And like, that's one thing that Oliver, Oliver Stone explained. It's like a lot of the, like a lot of stories that he had heard from Kovic, among others, doing the research for this film is that like a lot of people like came back and like that's right around the time that like McDonald's got big. That's right. Oh, yeah. Like that's right around the time that like fast food got big and corporate big corporations like yeah, somewhere like, in like that kind of 50s, thing where yeah. like the death of the mom and pop shop really kind of started to get its footing. So like that's decimated just on its own. And then like you said, literally his friends are dead and uh, you know, his girlfriend, I think is I know she was in college, but like I think she also had a boyfriend. And like she's very anti-war too. But again, like he always he never can digest like he he has these anti-war feelings like buried within him, but they can't come out unless he talks to somebody that he can actually like that had experienced it. So that's why he really only talks with Timmy about it. Cause like, yeah, somebody who knows what it was like, or even the way he talks uh, about it with his girlfriend, I mean, that's just kind of the thing that's missing from modern movies, you know, where it's like, he's, he remembers her, he remembers what he feels, he's not going to say something, even though it's very clear that he's going to feel very opposed to, you know, kind of the rhetoric that she's exposing. Um, but, uh, he just kind of goes longer because it's it's those fond memories that you know he has, and uh, I you do see that a lot in like real life too. Where well, yeah, I, that that's why I mean that that's why I love this movie is because I mean this in a way feels like the most realistic Vietnam movie, even though most of it doesn't play, take place in Vietnam. You know, it feels like the most realistic in the sense of like the aftermath. You know, um, yeah. And even when people talk about politics, like if someone is very passionate about politics, whether on one side or the other, you always kind of in your in your weird like own like ego mind think that like, okay, like to a certain degree, this person's going to agree with me. So now's the time I can vent my po political rage real quick over dinner, you know what I mean, for five mm -hmm. minutes and talk anti-war or pro-war whatever and uh just kind of assume that the other person kind of agrees with me and deep down tom cruise's character i think does or at least finds something in what she's saying but he cannot articulate it yet he cannot let that come to the surface yet well yeah i mean he's been so rejected up to that point that like i mean he's just i think he's going along with it uh, uh almost solely for the sake of his uh, um, previous love for her, you know? I mean, but obviously it's a movie uh, graduates, I mean, past that point, I, he comes to believe it in his own right. But at the time, I think it's just, he's not gonna be rude. You mm -hmm. know, he's not gonna say, oh, fuck that. Even though we do see that he'll, he's willing to do that uh, elsewhere, you know, and every, every throughout the film. Um, but uh, yeah, his his love for her, he's he's willing to put aside whatever political dif uh, differences, which I feel is really uh, believable. You know, yeah, this kind of thing. Like that's again another thing that I think is a, a subtlety that's missing from modern movies. There's no subtlety. There is no you know. I mean, you can disagree with somebody and still uh, you know retain your own beliefs and whatever. I mean, I I just I don't know. It just feels like it's been missing for the past five, six, seven years. And there's a nice like visual element at the end of that scene too, where she's walking up these steps into like a dormitory 
And even just on a basis of like education, like she has the opportunity. Well, I, I suppose vets like get like college opportunities, but she has like the opportunity, like she's like probably like a junior in college at this point or something. Yeah. And it's just like an extra sour note that, that like with like those steps to success, like every, like everyone that decided not to go to war or just, you know, didn't go to war because, you know, they didn't, weren't really bringing like women into war at the time has a better like life trajectory because they're in college. Like they're just on a better trajectory where even if you wanted to just think about it selfishly financially, he made the dumb decision. Morally, I think he eventually decides that he made the wrong decision. Again, I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm getting political. I feel like any goddamn war ever in the world, the, uh, the common people fight it for um, the sake of continuing the little world. And so, you know, that might, I, obviously there have been many movies made about the Viet Cong and what that little world looks like for them. And, but I feel like what uh, no other Vietnam movie and really not a lot of war movies have really done, they'll show, you know, it's pretty, it's peaceful and all that. But I feel like Oliver Stone's really making a point here where um, this pretty little slice of Americana is what he is fighting for, you know? He just wants that world to continue. And the great irony is that he returns to that little world and there's no place for him. Well, well, too, like, there are people, like, like you mentioned, there are people fighting for their own little worlds, like, even within America. If you're Black in Detroit, you're fighting for your world. Oh, yeah, yeah that's and, the other thing I wanted to see. Yeah, right. I mean, and you could see that as disrespectful because he doesn't relate to it. But I mean, I, yeah, again, that's but, but their it's little totally, world. But for them, like, that's totally, like, what, like, what is important to, right. to like a, a black person living in Detroit right at, at and like time. it's yeah, super understandable I, um or you know if you're even like a Viet Cong or whatever you know what I mean yeah like, yeah no, I I think better than any other Vietnam film that this movie captures that is what I'm I guess I'm trying mm -hmm. to say it's that central idea that yeah that little slice of life that you know you want to keep alive and that's what you're fighting for it's it's not America. It's not a country. It's not maybe it's not even a philosophy. It's just to keep your little world together. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I'm not saying that glibly, um, you know, because I feel uh, kind of a great pressure and everything. I'm like, but everything I've ever read is kind of that idea that like I I don't give a fuck. I just I love the guy next to me. I he's my brother. I've known him for you know, a few years, whatever. And I don't want him to die. And, uh, and that's at the forefront of their mind. They don't give a fuck about nationality or anything, really. And, and that's what makes him even more lost because he killed one of his brothers. Right, yeah, actually, that's so, beautiful. Like, yeah, right, it's yeah. It's even more fucked. <laughs> like, because his, his slice of home is gone. But yeah, like he's even more lost than anybody else because yeah, he killed he, one of his he brothers. He can't in full conscious say, you know what? I fought for my brothers. You know what I mean? And that's mm -hmm. how he reconciles with himself. He does not have that reconciliation. So, um, and a, a lot of this blows up in this like night argument when he gets drunk and they, his friends wheel him home and uh his mother is like talking about how like you have to go to mass tomorrow and do confession or whatever. Cause like, God doesn't want you drunk, yada, yada, yada. And then he's like, I don't believe in him anymore. She's like, don't say that. He's like, and now this is when he kind of becomes like, there's no God, there's no country. It's all lies. Right. And then like, he's getting loud. He's waking up the neighbors. Uh, he says, fuck it. So at one point uh, his mother's like, don't like, don't say that. And he's like, fuck you. And she fucking smacks him. And then, and then he just keeps saying, it's, it's like, fuck you, fuck you. I think the culmination of that whole scene is, I'm sorry, you're sad, right? Because he's, he's trying, <laughs> it's fucked up. Like he's trying to force that sadness 
despite whatever religious barriers, whatever barriers at all, that his mother's crafted. And um, he uh, needs to share, like, the sadness with somebody, basically, is I think what you're getting at. Where, yeah. Like, he needs someone else to feel it to make, to like prove that his feelings are real. Yeah. And like, so that's like really the point of this venting. And at one point he says, like, I can't use my penis anymore. And she's, <laughs> and, and then, yeah, it's, it's darkly so humorous. Yeah, there's the other like, part of the movie. I like, yeah. Especially like if you only like Google, like if you only YouTube like this part of the movie, it's kind of humorous. Um, where like she's like, don't say penis. And then it's Tom Cruise just yelling, penis, penis, big wrecked fucking yeah penis yeah um, but it kind of ends on the note where it's like god told us that we shall not kill women and children and i killed women and children she's like you did not kill women and children i mean he didn't directly but he feels that guilt i mean yeah most people wouldn't argue there's any distinguishing uh distinguishing factor there like he left that baby to die and that's what there's, he's feeling. there's no distinguishing factor that he sees right. because, because of his own guilt you know? and if he could have done things better maybe it doesn't ha- maybe maybe like maybe it doesn't happen like if, if he had listened to instructions better uh if he had had better control of his men <laughs> yeah like, if, if he hadn't said that he, he saw the rifles in their hands you know or something just any number yeah, if he was just honestly like i can't fucking see him yeah, it's, just, uh, it's a fucked up situation. I mean, that that's the biggest part of the film for me. I mean, I, I feel like that's where it's the most complex. I feel like that's where it's the most um, ruthless. I mean, I, I haven't seen another Vietnam film or any other world, uh, war film that really shows the reality. A movie as willing to be as confrontational as uh, Born on the Fourth of the Show, even, even Platoon which in dialogue addresses some of those things, but doesn't uh, scene by scene really, you know? So, right. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a little more procedural in Platoon. Um, and it takes up so little of the film, but it doesn't leave your mind, you know, the, the reality. And I think this is, again, aside from almost every scene in Magnolia, I think that see- that scene is... Tom Cruise's best work outside of Magnolia. Uh, yeah, I have to say Magnolia is, yeah, the best. His father puts him to bed and says, you should go to Mexico. It'll be good for you, blah, blah, blah. You know, clear your head right. kind of thing. And then we basically cut for Because the mother's all fed up, yeah. Yeah, mother's not going to have him around, I don't think. And then we cut forward to Mexico in 1970. Ron is there with, like, in this, like, like kind of tiki area with like a tiki bar area with um a bunch of other like vets that are in wheelchairs and stuff like that and willem dafoe that's his first experience or appearance uh he plays charlie charlie is like kind of like a mirror as like of what ron will be if he stays in mexico too long yeah charlie Uh, i think they they call that like a foil yeah, a I think so. Yeah, uh, so. and because Charlie's like alcoholic, like Charlie's like using prostitutes. He's drinking a lot, and like he's just kind of living in a haze. And you know, he introduces basically. Uh, he basically introduces Ron Kovic to the prostitution in the area, uh, and Kovic ends up having sex with a prostitute uh and it's just really fucking sad because i don't think because he can't feel below his chest really so he's not feeling anything that's happening and he just wishes he could so he like he's just sobbing and it's really heartbreaking like and one of the next days too is he is he like wants to meet with that same prostitute again, but he remembers that she's a prostitute and has other clients and he, you know, feels like it's something that he can't still find love. You know what I mean? 
they even make a joke about it like like where she's like are we gonna get married and he's like yeah you know so i think he realizes the dynamic yeah he yeah. logically realizes it but subconsciously still would like to make an impression you know what i mean and then charlie gets in a fight gets in a fight with one of the prostitutes because she laughs at him and they get kicked out of the bar because they kind of make it make a scene and they drive over to a different uh brothel and then charlie gets in a fight with the driver he's (laughs) like i have like three notes in a row that are charlie fights with prostitute charlie fights with driver Charlie fights with Ron. Yeah, he's an asshole and he's everything that Ron would become if Ron stayed there. That character is just like a good like template for mm-hmm. kind of how things could go wrong for Ron. Yeah. One of my next favorite scenes in the movie is like when they have kind of like this shouting match and he's like did you never had to kill a baby like you weren't even there like, you don't know you know maybe i killed a fucking hundred babies you know fuck you and then they get into like a like just a fight where they're like spitting at each other and wrestling yeah. and yeah and then i think again in one of cruz's best scenes in the movie he he looks down at charlie and he's like do you remember when things made sense mm. Yeah, what am I going to do? Yeah, and that's what you're feeling through the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and this is right after Charlie was just going off like, fuck them all, fuck them all, fuck them all. Like, where they're both just so hopeless at this point. It's like, when when things made sense, when, you know, when you when (sighs) you had a God, when you had a country, when you had women and friends and he has none of those things now none of those things that's where the betrayal comes in right like i mean so you feel like you're betrayed by your country because you this little slice of americana that you felt like you fucking belong to and you're fighting for you know is gone you know and they don't have any place for you you know you feel betrayed you know, and like you, know, I, I think the culmination of that is with the dad. He loves his son. He loves his son. But he's like, I don't know what the fuck to do, Ronnie. You know, maybe going to Mexico is the best thing because he doesn't know what the fuck to do with him because he doesn't have room for that. He doesn't have a place for that in 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 this world. You know, the this resentment and this uh, uh, bitterness. You know, so. He goes back to America and he goes back to Georgia. And this is when he goes to see Wilson's parents. Wilson's family has a long lineage of like fighting in every American war, like for sure all the way back to the Civil War. Yeah. And uh, they have a bunch of like Confederate memorabilia and stuff like that going on. Uh, yeah, I was thinking of that scene where he's like confronting the family. Um... I didn't even know what the fucking right thing was. I mean, they're like, you can stop, you know? And he's like, he doesn't know if he should or not. And he's come that far. And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Is it, what... is, it the, is it the selfish thing to confess for your own, like, ability to move on? But then you're cursing that family with knowing that he, <laughs> that his son died that... for nothing, basically, is shot by a friendly. Like yeah, what a, I, like what a mind fuck that is because you'd almost be like, okay, we can bring peace to the situation, but where it's like it's hard for me to say. Well, say however hard it might be for you to fucking say, it's gonna be a hell of a lot harder for them to hear. You know that that yeah. you killed their son, and even though they've shown signs of being like, well, I don't know what the hell the whole war was for or whatever. I I mean yeah, there's a God, in a wheelchair where you can't wheel your ass out of there. Um, I mean, Jesus Christ. So I mean, I I guess it takes bravery. I guess it does, right? Because you're fucked. Like, if they hit your guts and they want to kill you, there ain't a goddamn thing you can do about it, right? So I guess uh, thinking about it, um, yeah, maybe maybe that was the bravest thing to do, was to admit they're on the spot. At the end of the day, I think it is the courageous thing to do to apologize and confess 
um well because he doesn't really apologize like, you can't really apologize for that almost so like all he could do is confess like you're still not sure if it's the right thing to do though because you could like like the father said we don't have to hear this ron right like, yeah like we could live in like this blissful ignorance that uh that you know our son died you know a little not that it was his son's fault but like died like a little more nobly in, in in a little bit more of a noble way than friendly fire he could not live with himself though like he like he was in this spiral where he has nothing and as soon as he apologizes he kind of lifts a weight off of his, a huge weight off of his shoulders so yeah it seems self it seems like it could be selfish but no, it's also but I, there's just no right way of going about that. I, th- I, I, I think that almost ties in with the war itself. There's no goddamn right, clear answer to any goddamn thing, you know. And 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 talking to these people, there's no right, there's no right way to say I killed your fucking kid for nothing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, it's a really morally fucked up scene. And this is when he be- begins his activism, and he's. He's like a big campaigner and activist for vets against the war and like, you know, chanting like, we don't want your fucking war. One, two, three, four. We don't want your fucking war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes to protest the RNC. And at one point, and that's when he gets some TV publicity and he's explaining how like, like these kids were lied to and you know, manipulated and used at like a whole generation was just used as like fodder to, you know, basically be like imperialistic America kind of thing. And, you know, that kind of rhetoric. And then um, outside the RNC, he's actually betrayed. And one of the people that were like wheeling him in that were supposed to be activists with him was actually an undercover like FBI agent or something, but there was a lot of that in those days. Yeah, it might, must have been some kind of FBI agent. And then, uh, but he arrests, tries to arrest Ron and they like kick him out of his wheelchair and stuff. But, you know, some of his uh, against the war veterans like kind of save him from being arrested. And this is when like it's, this is like the closest thing to a climax that the movie gets, at, or maybe is the closest thing to a climax that the movie gets that's like satisfying where when like he's saved from being arrested outside the the rnc and they they get the wheelchair back and these are a bunch of vets so they process things and can take orders like a soldier right so like a commander of his platoon he orders all right we're gonna take the hall back you guys go this way you guys go this way like let's let's do this let's do that let's go and the music really builds up this is like my favorite part of the john williams score um and it just feels triumphant and they charge in on the hall um and it's kind of clouded with uh with riot smoke and things like that so we're not fully sure what goes on but you know like he found his purpose and that is his purpose uh to to fight this battle and this battle is something that he can make sense of and then the very last scene is he's they're pulling him to the like backstage at at the dnc where he's about to speak and he flashes back to his mother's dream of him saying great things in front of a lot of people saying like great things in front of a lot of people like kennedy and then it goes into some uh titles where like he you know explains that Kovic didn't stop his activism uh and continued on and became a like really important voice for wounded wounded veterans uh veterans against the war etc and yeah and i again like okay back in 1978 they tried to make born on the fourth of july oliver stone did and this is like 10 years later that this movie actually got made yeah, and um, the the really cool thing about this the backstory of the making of this movie is that they were like a week away from it getting greenlit, and Oliver Stone, uh, like it, you know, the bottom 
dropped from under and like it all like di didn't get made. And then all, but Oliver Stone made a promise to Ron Kovic where he was like, if I make it through and I'm like a good director and I can make the movies I want, I'll come back for you. And, right. and he, and he did like right after he had his breakthrough with platoon, he pretty much, this was pretty much the next thing he did. Uh, so that's just very admirable, cool story. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's like 10 years later. That's obviously he's a man of his word 10 years you know mm -hmm. and it's really important to both of them and you know it's important to a lot of people uh my recommendations i would recommend y'all see platoon oh yeah ab absolutely yeah um platoon fucking goddamn one of the greatest movies ever made regardless of a war film yeah platoon. top 20 for me and then my second recommendation would be JFK. It's it's got like a very good John Williams score, another like Robert yeah. Richardson shot film. Uh, it stars Kevin Costner, yeah, Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, it's got like Kevin Bacon and John Candy in it too, and Joe Pesci. Like it's got a hell of a cast. Um, right. And I think JFK is his second best movie. Honestly, to me, Born on the Fourth of July is like his third best, just for me. Oh, uh, but that, JFK. yeah, yeah. I for me, it's Platoon, JFK, Born on the Fourth of July. Uh, but for the year 1989, the only movie that I would probably put ahead of Born on the Fourth of July is Do the Right Thing. Mm. So being so, going with my consistency of top two movies of the year, I will give. Born on the 4th of July, five stars. How mm. many stars out of five will you give it? Four and a half, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was, I, I definitely was thinking four and a half uh, just, just to differentiate it a little bit from JFK and Platoon, but, but yeah, <laughs> uh, worth mentioning, uh, Oliver Stone also wrote Midnight Express and Scarface, yeah. so I'd, so we would recommend you go see those. Have a good 4th of July, Independence Day, Follow us on Spotify, subscribe, hit the like button, tell your friends, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram. Either way, have a good 4th of July. You know, fuck them all. Yeah, fuck them all. <laughs>